the advice I'd give to people is believe in the gift that you have. Mm. Um, yes, you are being vulnerable, whether it's uh, allowing someone to see your artwork or read your work mm. or listen to mm. you. You're being vulnerable, so you, you, you are open to be critiqued at some level. Mm. But the rewards um, balance out um, any insecurities that you might have. Mm. So what I want to say is believe in yourself and push through keep on pushing through you will get better and better holding my head again making my way through crowded thoughts sometimes it's hard to get out of it Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Please Blow My Mind with me, Will Fleming. Can I just quickly give a small apology to those Please Blow My Mind listeners? Uh, A dear listener friend, let me know that last week's episode, the previous episode to this featuring Cameron Surrey, I cut off for some reason and when I checked the audio on my podcast distribution technology, it was um, not the whole chat. So, look, thank you to those who have downloaded it, but apologies to the abrupt end. You may have thought that um, I ran out of time, and let me assure you that that was not the case. It was a tech issue, and that should be fixed now if you wish to download that. I believe only 20 minutes of the full 1 hour 44 was available, which is not cool, but a reminder that, uh, look, tell someone if there's something wrong because I would never have known that because I rarely go back to check out anything from the past in terms of consciously all that sits in the subconscious most of the time I'm trying to actively pursue the now and the future okay so thank you for that appreciate your understanding to those longtime listeners and to the many new listeners to this podcast So in this week's episode of the podcast, I invite former police officer and current artist and all-around human, David Lomatia, to join me in the Please Blow My Mind studio. And so he's only one of a handful of guests that has agreed so far to travel all the way out to where I live, out the back of Auckland, to sit down and ponder life with me in the studio and David did that for me a total stranger drove out there for me to sit down and share some of his story and to connect about what makes this life a life worth trying to understand and worth trying to thrive in even though at times the world leans on you Something beautiful about these conversations, particularly the recent ones that are happening in person, where that energy hopefully you will be feeling through these airwaves, through your ears, as we we dig deeper to a deeper sense of what it means to be alive. I think this is a series that I've been working through, particularly in the last two podcasts and maybe the next two, um, making sense of meaning. And I guess I'm directly talking about what does it mean to have faith? What does it mean to believe in something more than Apple? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like technology and all these things, they're kind of like, they kind of interact with us like gods anyway. They drive a lot of our decision making, they influence, but they're man made. And so 
I want to explore what else is out there in terms of a bigger, higher something. And I don't know what I really mean, but I think and I hope you feel what I mean. So David definitely sits down with me and we talk a little bit about his journey as a police officer and how he transitioned out of a very stressful environment indeed. And so I I really hope this conversation brings value to you and I hope you'll uh, stay with me as I go on these expeditions into the unknown, particularly around, you know, what does it mean to... (laughs) believe in something more than just you let's say that so I'd like to say thank you to David for joining me and again driving to see me um, and chat with me and I'd like to say thank you to you my dear listener who who joins me every week to ponder life together and we do this in the symbiotic relationship that is a podcast and I I appreciate it dearly so thank you everybody for blowing my mind and I hope you enjoy this week's episode Cause I'm looking for a hero, look inside the mirror, I find one, oh, carry the hurt when it gets too hard, pick it up, dust it off, when I fall down 11, I get up 12, don't need nobody else, yeah, I can save myself. Are these mics you just kind of pull up to you, the normal oh, okay. You just kind of bring it around a fist away so it's comfortable mm. and yeah i think normally uh the podcast you know 30 minute chat or something like that if that's all right with you yeah sure but you know it is it doesn't have to be anything yeah. so i try not to uh, make it into something it's just really about um yeah us connecting anyway we'll kick it off okay david we're just going to acknowledge the truth you're at my house i convinced you to drive all the <laughs> way to waiuku and uh, I appreciate it. So thank you very much for joining me. It's my pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, yeah. It, and I don't know. I don't even know how these, how the invite comes across. I mean, it's pretty random, right? I'm just emailing you and saying, hey, can I, can I interview you? You know, I haven't really done too much research, but I was trying to process, and I have been trying to process this um, this instinct I have when I come across someone, and I don't know what to do with that apart from reach out to them and say would you be keen to chat in some ways i think it's quite human you know you trust your gut as Mm. they say but maybe i'll get your thoughts on this is trusting your gut even something relevant in today's world you know everything is an algorithm and a measurement and we have to earn money by some type of cause and effect so where does trusting your gut come into it and i guess david before we kind of talk about you know who you are and your career and stuff like that are you someone who trusts your gut? Yeah, uh, I've been in the police uh, uh, over 34 years, and I think that experience has given me the opportunity to uh, measure people up, and mm. as you say, y- you get an instinct for it, and mm. I know you reached out and wanted to talk to me about my artwork mm. and being a police officer, Yeah, and I've spoken to other people about those topics, so mm. I'm quite comfortable in discussing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not so obvious what to do with a, a gut instinct, but you, you know, you you said it like measure people up, and I guess you've come across well, hundreds of thousands of people, and you have to make a, a quick decision. I mean, is that and and is that lots of training to help you with that, <laughs> or is it just experience with 
actually being in front of people and trying to process what's happening in front of you yeah i think uh, uh, there's obviously a little bit of training mm. that goes involved uh, uh, that's involved in it but apart from that it's just life experience mm. and uh, i've spoken to as you've mentioned many people and can quite often um, get to an area where um, I can get them to talk to me quite easily. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a skill that I've developed over the years, and I think people in general can um, know whether you're genuine or not, yeah. or whether you're pulling the wool over their eyes. Mm. And and I like to be um, relatively open with people when I meet yeah. them. Yeah, I mean that definitely comes across. You know, we've only. I don't think we even had a phone call. It was just messaging back and forward. But I like that challenge in today's world because that's quite like likely where we will be chatting with people is in this keyboard scenario. Mm. So to get a sense of who you are, I don't think it's um, that easy. And 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 maybe I, I wonder, like you know, thirty-five years, man, you must have seen lots of different things, um, especially in the you know the police and how i mean but but really is it is it is it that different or are people still people we're still the same like if yeah what am i trying to ask here i guess i'm trying to say like as a police officer you know outside of technology it's people are just people right like nothing's really changed or have you noticed a big change i think uh, we're a or some of our own experiences mm. and uh, I come from a line of police officers my father was a police officer from Samoa mm. he came to New Zealand and had uh, six kids I'm in the middle of six kids and I've retired a couple of years ago from yeah. the police and I now have two sons in the right, police right you know I have a brother who's also a, a detective sergeant in the mm. police so that's the calling if you like on our family mm. And um, I think 34 years, 35 years of policing can sometimes skew your worldview uh, because you're seeing the the worst of people yep. most of the time. Yeah. But I was fortunate enough to end my career in a area of policing called Maori Pacific Ethnic Services. Right. So that gave me an opportunity to work in and for the community at a level that I hadn't prior to that. I'm a qualified detective and I worked on the front line uh, for a number of years in South Auckland mm. and uh, had some challenging times and actually after that amount of time in the police I suffered from post-traumatic stress absolutely, disorder. Absolutely. At my farewell I, I got up and uh, I was quite open about that mm. and I said to the guys, um, you're probably wondering where I've been for the past few months. And I said, I've been away suffering from PTSD. Wow. Okay. And um, what I want to say to you is um, look after yourself mm. because this work that we do is very challenging and it will take something from you. But we know that coming in, we don't do yep. it for the money. Yeah. And uh, there were not many dry eyes in the in the... Mm. in the room and a couple of people came up to me and said that they um, were suffering from what I think is post-traumatic stress disorder and there are a lot of detectives in, mm. the, in the crowd as well I could see them 
navel gazing and I could mm. I knew I'd uh, struck a nerve is that something you could like did your dad ever communicate that when he was a police officer yeah I think dad was only in the police for about eight years right in Samoa um, yes but um, it's sort of, it sort of slowly came on mm. and um, the last five years the writing was on the wall it was time to go yeah yeah. Do you put that down to just being in a heightened state quite a lot? Like, And I guess we should try and articulate this stuff mm. because we also live in a world now where everything's a headline and a bullet point and it sounds obvious on the surface, but we talk about it like we know what it is. Mm. But you might as well say it's something like faith or love. You know, really try and explain it. You know, it's quite challenging. So when we talk about, you know, um, stress or chronic stress, mm. um, PTSD, you know, like, I guess it's not too hard for people who aren't uh, in the police to understand it must be extremely stressful. But is it the con, you know, what's some ways that you can explain how that would come along? Is it that you couldn't, you can never rest because you all, the work never stops, something like that? I think that's a little bit of it. Um, you know, as people, well, particularly in the police, you get to see so much that the average human being is not exposed to. Mm. You see death at a level that um, I wouldn't want most to see. Yeah. And when you're exposed to danger, that flight or f- fight or flight syndrome um, is is heightened. And I liken it to being like a boxer. You're in a boxing match and you're getting punched in the face, and it only takes um, you can only take a couple more punches mm. before you go down. Mm. You recover, you get up, and you go again. Mm. And it may take another five or ten years, and then the same thing will happen. And before you know it, um, it only takes a couple more punches, and you you're down again, yeah. and you realise I can't keep fighting. I've got to mm. have a rest. Mm. So that's what happened to me, and. Um, I left the police and became an artist for a couple of years. I wonder if that's what I was instinctually trying to draw on, which was like, and this, you know, might not be right, doesn't have to be, but there's something about art which is, I mean, it must be quite cathartic or healing in some ways, able to, you know, express in other things than just words. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I used to sketch as a kid with my cousin. Mm. And um, I think a lot of, possibly a lot of Pacific people are naturally gifted mm. in the arts. Mm. And I used to sketch, as I said, of um, my cousin. But it wasn't until about eight years ago that I felt like I wanted to go and do an art lesson. Mm. And uh, I did that and, and I did a uh, painting class. And the rest I sort of just learnt as I went. And I ended up um, publishing two books with my stuff of uh, painting, sketches, poetry, and photography. Really? Yes. How long have you been doing that? Only um, about eight years. Wow. Yeah, so uh, poetry also is something, uh, a way that um, I express how I'm feeling. Mm, mm. And, yeah, it's it's interesting. Isn't it interesting, too? You mentioned your dad was in the force for eight years and Mm. you've just reached that point in your new career, you know? um, And... Did you ever think that this would be part of your story? You know, like exploring other ways to offer service and um, and 
um, yeah, like you said, express yourself. I mean, it's it's definitely as as masculine whatever roles that society has given us. It's quite mm-hmm. tough sometimes, isn't it, to kind of find your way through? And like, were you a poetry reader and stuff growing up? No, I wasn't. Um, but I one of my favourite subjects at school was English, right. and I'm. I think a relatively confident public speaker mm. and can articulate how I'm feeling. And I think that um, that ability and having an artistic slant allowed me to put words in a way that paint pictures as well. Mm. And I really enjoy it. And um, mm. uh, um, Not every Samoan uh, writes poetry <laughs> 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 and paints in it. <laughs> But um, one thing I also have is a pretty good sense of humour once you get to know me. Yeah. Yeah, and the police, you've got to have a good sense of humour. Yeah. Is it hard for you to explain that to people who aren't in the force, you know? Because, I mean, I I can kind of imagine, um, you know, for most people, the way to explain it is chips are down, you've got to find something to, you know, keep you going. Actually, I've read a book recently called Man's Search for Meaning, by uh, a guy called Viktor Frankl and he wrote it after his experience in the um, Nazi war camps, right, this Jewish guy and and he was talking about sometimes a joke was all you could have as meaning for the day, you know and it's just really, it's it's interesting isn't it because how can you talk about something potentially funny not on the same point but in these horrible scenarios and Maybe joke's the wrong word. Maybe the human spirit, right? Mm. And we're trying to connect. And um, I guess that was real time a way for you to, or maybe you and your colleagues to kind of help process what was going on, right? Yeah. It's definitely um, a bit of deflection, I think. Mm. There's the old saying, you know, either laugh or you cry, you Mm. know? And it just uh, takes that seriousness away because Mm. once you allow yourself to engage what's happening you'd be probably uh, an emotional wreck after several years you know the um, early years in your career in the police was it like that or I guess you said it before it kind of slowly gets you you know like the the boxer I guess like life younger stronger probably able to handle a bit more was that would that be roughly right yeah, I think so. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it took decades to really catch up with mm. me. But, um, yeah, when I was in the CIB, it, that's the first time it really started to rear its head. Mm. Uh, because it wasn't just what I had experienced, but the constant pressure of files and paperwork mm. and preparing f- evidence and so forth and and dealing with the worst things in, in society, yeah. You know, when you're dealing with murders and rapes and so forth and mm. violent offending, it catches up with you, I think. Yeah, I, it's hard to know what to do with that because most of us don't have to see that world, but a certain amount of people, you know, and, and I guess you would never have known it would be that bad, you know? would uh, I, don't, I don't know, like one of the things that I grapple with and I bring it up on the podcast all the time is I had a loving family and they've sheltered me from a lot of things now 
that hasn't always served me in you know say career for example because sometimes you need a bit of an edge to get ahead and been a bit soft if you maybe put it in blunt terms but the other thing is I get to see the world as it should be a nice place but I don't understand that level of horror that goes on and you know I guess that couldn't have been very fun for you to learn you know where some humans can go right with their um it's stress too that's probably driving that you know like uh probably some some of the people who make bad decisions are dealing with their own level of ptsd no, that's a really good point you know after a while you realize um, you can't judge people because mm. you haven't walked in their shoes that's it and uh, would you be any different if you had their life experience mm. and it's so easy to say oh rise above it and i say really mm. how would you mm. deal with being beaten daily treated like a dog basically mm. abused mm. N- not having enough food on the table you know mm. it would really skew your world view i realized um I had a bit of a skewed worldview when I went to dinner with my wife's work and they were laughing and were so nice and I said to my wife why is everyone so cheerful and nice she goes what do you mean I said it was a total contrast to a police function where we would all be cursing, swearing, really dark humour, a lot of intoxication, and I realised we were the abnormal ones, and that was normality, what I was looking at. And it really hit me like a truck, you know, Mm. thinking, wow, this is actually what real life looks like, and I've got a skewed worldview because of what we've experienced. Well, there's also something like, you choosing the career or you know like a path in art it takes a long time so you have to it's a slow burn to learn Mm. how to even develop into whatever that will be there's so many hours put in and i wonder if a lot of it is just so you can just be with yourself and not have to do something other than learn the the tool set it's kind of beautiful but you know like a like I don't mean to just be metaphorical but it's hard to know what to do with that in the pace that we live in you know that's why I like the idea of it's slightly awkward you ask people to come over and you've but there's something I'd like to simulate which is like look we can do it we can be strangers and catch up and do a podcast and Hmm. explore some ideas and at a micro scale it's good you know you transfer some knowledge we can send it out there and that's a that's a good thing but also maybe a bit maybe this is my art project it's fun you know i tinker around i put stuff up i um, play around and and for what you know i don't know it doesn't really bring money in but maybe it's about maybe that's the lesson um don't chase everything for money um yeah so did you know what you wanted to do when you retired from the police like what were those do you remember the first few days after yeah i was really happy cool i when I walked out of the police station, I literally clicked my heels because I knew the pressure was now off. But did you really do it? Yes, literally. Awesome. Yeah. So not just a thought. You no, I did. 
Yeah, and that's a reference to to hey, I'm so happy. Yeah. Now that that chapter of my life is over, I love that. Knowing that I was going to go and do um, some things like uh, artwork and fishing, which I really enjoy, mm. um, to really decompress really from from policing. Not that I regretted my career at all. Absolutely not. Absolutely loved it, but it was time. And art is a way of expressing yourself and sharing how you're feeling. Mm. Um, this, you know, the old saying, a picture paints a thousand words. Mm. And um, policing is like serving the community. It's like giving in a way. And artwork I've found, although I've sold a lot of art, I've often given away a lot of art too. Mm. And I've seen the effect that it has on people, and uh, quite often has brought people to tears mm. because I'll see what they're going through. Yeah, like uh, for instance, a guy who I'd never met before. Um, I saw that he had lost his best friend, his dog. So I painted his dog, and when I met him for the first time, I gifted it to him. Mm. And it um, really, really impacted him. Mm. So, yeah, it's. Um, I think it's a, a lovely uh, gift to have. And you know, it's a beautiful gift because it's something that, in our world now, with robots and algorithms and things that, uh, you know, um, maybe suggest what we should watch and how to feel. That's awesome. You know that what you're doing feels like to me is you're relying on trying to work out a vibe and then where can you what can you do with that and for you you're able to you don't know how kind of healing that was for that person or whatnot and I guess David like yeah with me it's a bit strange I'll, I'll try to like talk um, logically but I, there's such a big massive conversation here which is like meaning and so are you comfortable talking about you know how you what are the things that help make you make up your world like maybe that's a um a faith or an idea or a set of structures that you go by because mm. i also try and acknowledge that you know new zealand still has the highest suicide rates uh, especially for teens maori pacific and mm. although there's a lot of talk about strategies i feel like people don't actually say it in a way that would make sense to someone you know it's like we say to people don't eat bad food and stop drinking fizzy drinks but you don't acknowledge the fact that well there's some level of addiction to these things and they're easy to buy in supermarkets and so the real question is if you wanted to change your diet how would you and i feel like everyone starts zipping up you mm -hmm. know so like um yeah yeah uh where was that going somewhere around you know uh, actually I don't know what the point was there oh well we can move on it'll, it'll, it'll pop back into my mind I guess I was yeah meaning um, meaning of life sort of thing yeah yeah like when when the chips are down mm. what what what's the what's the pillars that you return to yeah that's a good question you know um, I think it was about um, 18 years into my police career Things caught up with me, right? Because I was now drinking heavily. Mm. I was in the CIB, and my marriage fell apart, mm. and we became separated for a year. And that was the hardest time of my life. Mm. Um, 
because I was beginning to lose everything, including, I thought, um, being able to parent my boys. And it was that, at that time that I started asking the big questions of life because mm. what I was putting my faith in in regards to work and identity as a detective and that mm. was suddenly coming back t- um, to bite me, if you like. So, yeah, so I went on a, uh, a journey um, much like a lot of people, I suppose, yeah. and and um, that's where I um, explored a lot of things. Mm. And being a typical Pacific Islander, I went to church um, when I was young. Yep. And at the age of 16, I said to mum and dad, I've had enough. Mm. And I was a bit of a rebel. Uh, I'm probably the, the naughty one in the family, <laughs> if you like. But at the age of 36, I started asking those questions again. And and um, that's when things started to change for me. And yep. I re-engaged in my Christian faith. And, mm. and my wife was a bit dubious about it. Right. She just looked at me and, and I said, I just said to her, Hun, this is my buzz if you like, mm. I'm on this journey, yep. um, I didn't expect you to, to mm. understand or want to come with me on it and so she just watched me for a year. True. And uh, there was a pretty big transformation on the mm. way I was behaving and mm. and so forth and yeah, life changed from there and, and in fact it was through through that faith journey that discovered that I was a poet awesome yeah um, I had a now this might sound a bit weird but I had a dream and it I saw the word ode to my lord I didn't even know what an ode was I'll be mm-hmm. honest so I, I had to look it up yeah. and uh, realize it was poetry mm. being poet wow. or, and I said lord if I'm a poet then I'll believe it's from you and I'll walk it out mm. and that night I nutted out about nine poet, poetry, uh, poets wow. poems sorry nine and yeah true just it just blurted out have you had you ever had never some? thought about what I was going to say just wrote it out and it was just like it just oh, I was just surprised me wow. and since then I've um yeah, written uh, quite a few poems, and yeah, that's awesome. Mm. No, but I don't mean it just like that's awesome. I mean, you know, wow, really random, eh? Well, also a, a signal, right? That that I don't know. What, what, it's kind of like how people are like, man, I wish, I wish it would reveal itself to me, and I'd know what to do. And you know, we see it in movies sometimes where. Um, the bad people win right until the end, and then there's some moment of hope. And it's, but I'm staggered how little people want to really celebrate that stuff when mm-hmm. it happens, because you never really hear it, you know. And I think they should, because now everyone's thinking, hmm, maybe I should be open, you know, if I have a dream. Don't discount it. Don't suppress yeah. it. And I don't know. Open your arms up. Follow it. Why not? You it's know, like that gut feeling you're talking mm. about don't know quite what it is but it feels right so you mm. run with it and see where it goes yes i've never met you before um but i felt that i should come mm. you know and yeah uh, <laughs> see where it goes well know? i felt i should ask and yeah. it's i anyway and maybe that's the challenge now is to maybe there's no answers directly for that but it's in that 
well maybe it's a trust thing right it, it, you get to rebuild a little bit of trust and you get to share that stuff that's that's amazing so was there a theme of the poetry that was coming out or was it just like lots of different uh, the first nine poems were about my um my love for god mm. and my relationship with him and the struggles that i've had in life right and confessing i haven't got it all together and mm. thank you lord for loving me anyway mm. um so yeah and actually one of the poems was turned into a song um by a good friend who's a very good singer and she she turned it into a song wow yeah that's cool yeah yeah i guess uh you would have never expected that so yeah that was titled the banner of your name mm. and um that was also based on a a dream i had is that right yeah so i have a lot of dreams and i uh, take note of them mm. did you were you always like that even when you were in the police dreaming a lot yeah i think i, I think so yes yeah. Yeah. yeah i dream every night yeah mm. and quite vivid dreams and um i don't know if you read the bible but there's a lot of stories in there where god speaks to humans through dreams mm. because we're knuckleheads we're usually too busy to absolutely listen or yeah. want to listen you know yeah. and when we're rested and we haven't got a million things running in our minds sometimes mm. i believe the lord will speak to us yeah. and give us direction or comfort Mm, in this crazy world that we live in man and it's crazy and look that's been my journey is like trying to work out well what is how you know i'm 40 now so i'm consolidating what's my next steps in belief and in some ways i am bringing ide- bigger ideas to me you know <laughs> you're the uh, third person in this in that chair and um, in this new setup and you know um, well one dude who was here he's working through um, building himself back up after having the high level job and breaking down, moving up north, coming back, but with the skill sets and the second guy I had and you know, he's helping out in the kind of Catholic church stuff. So I'm definitely seeking through these conversations, mm-hmm. you know, and and even like the strange scenario of this place, we brought it, uh, the house and the property and it's between two churches and I'm like, well, Oh, something's looking at you. And wow. So, so you know, I guess the, the the bits I'm trying to process through is that's what happens when you're someone who grew up just with uh, not having to lean too much in mind and heart. You can just enact, you know, the pathway that everyone clears for you. What does it actually mean to uh, offer yourself up to a higher idea? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means, you know. It's mm. the same thing. I can't quite see why humanity would be as dark as it can be. Mm. You know, I don't I don't actually want to know that, but I look at the statistics yeah. and they are horrific and I still can't understand that because I haven't lived that. So that's everyone's journey, right, to try and work out. And for me it's like, well, I'm sure it will reveal itself to me, but even if not... Um, maybe there's something in this for someone else uh how have you processed like oh maybe i'll ask if it's not too personal where did um your wife land on your journey back to church and all that stuff yeah so she watched me for a year as i said and i began going to church with um a police colleague of mine and yeah i i 
I stopped drinking and and um, it wasn't an overnight thing, you mm. know. It's mm. a process, mm. eh? And that transformation of um, faith and character takes time. And she started to see that I was actually very genuine about what I was believing. And so she came, and I really wanted that for her to make that decision. I never want mm. to drag anyone to church, mm. only when they're ready. And she came, and it took her a year, and then she gave her heart, mm. if you like, to the Lord mm. and started trusting Him. Mm. And, and since then she said to me, Dave, if you give up, on the Lord, I'll give up on you. <laughs> so, is that right? so she understands the, just how important it is it has been to us. Mm. So I always say to people, you know, um, look at your hands, look mm. at your eyes, mm. look at the ability to walk, eat, speak. It didn't happen by accident. Mm. It really didn't, and that's why we've got to ask the bigger questions in life. Yeah. This is not an accident, mm. and uh, it's for us to figure out what is it. Yeah, some people call it the universe. Some people call it God. Um, and you've got to journey that yourself. Mm. But what I've discovered is, if you're hungry enough to find out, you'll find out. Mm. That's true. Yeah, you can dra- you can drag a, a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Yeah, and it was through um, trials and tribulations that. That um, that life humbled me enough to stop and listen, mm. and as I said, since through art I've been able to journey it um, and use even my faith to bless people. You know, I um, auctioned off a painting after Matt Hunt was murdered, yeah. the police officer, yeah. and that brought a lot of um, the community together and mm. and um, a good way to express. How I was feeling about his death, and mm. yeah, so yeah, yeah. I had Matt Hunt's best friend on the podcast, Regan Green, I think his name is, and he reached out to see if he could be a guest, and so we oh, chatted. Wow. And one of the hard things that I, because you know we're talking about balance in life, and that includes, let's say, yin yang, the light and the dark, and mm. the chaos within, and mm. I couldn't help but think I couldn't picture the person the other person so you have Matt Hunt and the person who took his life yeah. and I was trying to I actually recently saw him on the news and I was like it's like yeah how do you talk about it without one of the sides right and I still don't know how to um, in fact it's just like knowing that there's two sides to these coins that I've been that's been influencing my decision making like I went back to university this year, so mm. I, I do a lot in the video space and filming and teaching um, young kids how to, you know, make videos. But I went back to learn more about kind of breathing practices that help you be less stressed, because for me that's the conversation. If you have a heightened stress, guess where you're going? You're going mm. that direction. Um, yet there's all this knowledge from the Eastern world, and I believe it was in our Pacific and Maori ancestry, but I don't think it got carried through from the oral traditions. Maybe something in Māori about the ha and the hongi. But um, you've really got to go back a long way to find any relationship to how we breathe is how we think and feel, you know. Um, So that's kind of maybe something like a calling or something that I'm trying to follow up. But of course the realities of life is 
going back to uni is no joke. Hmm. They don't really care about my ideas. They want it on paper, so I'm having to grapple with that. Hmm. But I feel like that will give me a way to process such um, loaded topics, right? If I can show you that by your blood pressure, you are actually in a stressed state, it's less about your health choices then. It's more saying that what would you expect people to do with, you know, nature is saying my heart rate is up, my blood pressure is up, I'm preparing for fight or flight. And then, as the papers say, it's like if you have that for years and years and years, you have a chronic stress, Mm. you've got certain outcomes which pretty much guarantee things like Alzheimer's, heart attacks, you know, and, and I think we just kind of put it down as bad decisions in life it's like it's not that simple but i think i've been able to show that if you follow a certain breathing pattern and science backs it up you actually do the opposite you know you lower your blood pressure you lower your heart rate your blood vessels widen and it's like there is these things in history it's just we don't celebrate it you know think of yoga for example like most people wouldn't do yoga that probably me and you know but the whole point to yoga was to stretch your body in a way in which you could breathe better. That's important information to have forgotten. And, you know, you see lots of different iconography and maybe that's where you can explore that in art. Is Like that painting up, or that art up there on the left-hand side is a, um, you know, this wave and ocean and the two boats voyaging. And I brought that piece, I forget the artist's name, but... I want to see one which has calm water and you know I never see that I never see the yoga position from Pacific ancestry but I know for example in Hawaii they um, would use nasal flutes to court um, a potential partner Mm. and from what I've learned in the breathing spaces your, your, your function and the way you breathe is through your nose like dysfunctional breathing would be diagnosed through mouth breathing you know (laughs) hyperventilating if you like and um, I'm like man there needs to be some kind of imagery for people to aim towards you know Um, can't just be from eastern philosophy that you see that type of you know meditative stuff Mm. there must be something so I don't know hopefully it will reveal itself to me or or Maybe your mind can dream about it and come up with something, but wouldn't it be nice to see calm instead of warrior all the time? You know, we call even the warriors, you know, it's like, well, yeah, but the elite players aren't just warriors. They're the masters of mindfulness and, Mm. you know, patience and, yeah, so interesting stuff. Um, You mentioned there's a couple other family members who are in the police. Do you kind of mentor them? to I mean is it a solo journey for an officer to work out their own how much they can process the world take in take out Um, I guess is it not the done thing for you to be able to say hey I've been there done that here's some here's some strategies to not get to where I went yeah um, my boys my boys have been in the police now for five and three years and I'm watching them very carefully mm. to see the signs and so forth. 
Do they know you're watching them? Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) But I, uh, when I can, try and give them some advice and Mm. so forth. And it's a difficult one. Um, Sometimes you've got to journey it yourself. But um, when we go to dinner with my wife, um, myself and my boys are talking about police stuff, and unfortunately, she doesn't always understand. And Mm. but. it's a great connection with my boys now and having that in common and mm. them understanding what policing's all about because it's something I didn't force them into. Mm. They went to university and so forth and did yeah. different things and yeah. decided on their own um, merits, if you like, mm. that this is something they'd like to do. David, maybe a weird question, but what you mentioned what it's all about. What is policing all about? You know, because I... It's not that often you get to speak to uh, someone who's represented, I don't even know what I'm saying, like someone who's been a police officer. I think most of us don't really like to see a police officer. That would mean that we might be doing something wrong or, Mm. you know, it's like, yeah, you don't make it a habit apart from everything okay, cool, I'll carry on. So, yeah, what is that all about? Is it? Is it that kind of protect and serve? Is it the service part? Is that what draws people to the need to um, offer themselves in some way? I think it's, um, you know, policing is it's like giving. Um, it's outward looking. Mm. As individuals, we often, uh, as we've just discussed, mm try to find what life's all about and sometimes we find it in helping others Mm. gives us strength and and sometimes we know we're more fortunate than other people so policing is a noble job Um, my experience is most police officers are just human who are trying to do good work so there you go again um, we go back to what life's all about good and bad (laughs) yin and yang um, dark and light um, ability to breathe or not breathe Mm. Um, all those things are interlinked at some level I believe and you you were talking about breathing Mm. and um, in the bible it talks about God having breathed into mankind Mm. his breath and it gave us life Mm. you know and here you are talking about this breathing mm, pattern mm. and I think there's something in there for you to, mm. to search yeah. and find yeah. out yeah. what's this thing all about yeah. but I think you'll get there mm. and it's your journey and I you know, wish you all the best on it <laughs> um, but yeah so policing's yeah we're, we're all humans and what you you know you inviting me here is, is about connecting with people and yeah. policing's just the same yeah. we're social people yeah and some of us um, become um, withdrawn and recluse and whatever. But ultimately we yearn mm. company and the love of others. Absolutely. To be loved and to love others. Mm. So there's something in that. And and it all, yeah, it all, you, you've got to go back to the beginning to understand it, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of the jobs I do is mentoring a bunch of um, 
uh, school students who are getting into the digital space you know and one of the things I say is uh, my challenge to provide you is how do you talk about why you should be on the computer to your families and how do you make it because it's not just your job to be good at the database stuff and the internet and how to make things but you've got to be able to explain it because there's not a lot of generations particularly of Māori and Pacific who come from tech backgrounds um, and you know we talk at length about these type of things and and uh, just the why and behind it and I think what's cool is you know you talking about art and poetry and expressing I, you know I maybe you did have people in your family but I don't have really have anyone in my family who talked a lot about emotions and stuff like that so um, it's awesome that you're doing that right because people can find that and they can process that like one of the things uh, if there's young people out there who wish to be artists is what were your first steps to to doing that like how did you actually approach um, becoming an artist I went and did a couple of art lessons first I think that's always good to do that mm. um, and um, yeah th- just so you can improve your skill level and then from there it's really um, it's interesting I, I I rang my cousin who I used to sketch with uh, and he was always a better you know mm. artist mm. I thought mm. sketching mm. and I said to him why don't you take up art because you know you were always better at it than I was and he said I'm not creative Dave and it sort of just <laughs> sort of shocked me a bit mm. and I thought what did he mean by that um, so where am I going with that um, it's a form of expression mm. and you can use colour therapy uh, as a form of expressing a mood of helping someone feel good about themselves mm. um, or you can um, express a message of hurt or maybe even disdain yeah. whatever mood you're into and the great thing about art is everyone reads it differently yes absolutely and one, one thing I discovered is people buy art that connects to them emotionally mm. so like you said the waves and whatever mm, mm. oh there's a calm sea so mm. I like that mm. it's speaking to me at this time in my life yeah. I want to buy it because yeah. it, it's ministering to me mm. so yeah my advice to artists is um, do it scared I remember my artist always saying to me uh, art teacher saying to me even if it looks stink you know I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. push through because yep. it's going to get better mm. and it's sort of a lesson in life eh? mm. sometimes it's going to be hard but keep on pushing through you and it's going to be okay mm. and it's going to turn out really good has there have to be have you been able to bring like the discipline that you must have learnt through you know all those years in the police it's a kind of self-serving question so I'm asking about discipline to to trying new things and sticking with it mm. knowing you stink a little bit and that you'll get better mm. that isn't obvious everyone knows that's the way it goes but it's really hard especially the older you get mm. and I'm realizing going back to study that I really stink at academic writing but 
it's really hard to even sit down make myself sit down and I wondered you know did you go through that with going in, in art you know and and if you did or if you have any strategies or things that you learned from your time in the police that um helped you you know discipline yourself uh, the advice I'd give to people is believe in the gift that you have mm. um, yes you are being vulnerable whether it's uh, allowing someone to see your artwork or read your work mm. or listen to mm. you you're being vulnerable so you, you, you are open to be critiqued at some level mm. but the rewards um, balance out um, any insecurities that you might have mm. so what I want to say is believe in yourself and push through keep mm. on pushing through you will get better and better mm. yeah. I wonder if that's a f the journey of faith too you know like the hardest bit for me is to the bit I get caught up with and I think a lot of people do particularly as I mentioned before if you haven't had to face a demon or something you know mm. metaphorically is like how do you hand over the trust because I, you have never had to, right? Hasn't got that bad for me yet. Mm. Mm. So, because I, I know in another guy that um, I've had on the podcast, Lance Burdett, he was telling me that when people have their moment, you know, they're looking into the abyss or it's things aren't going well, it's like they call for their mum or God, one mm. of the two. And if, But I think the job of the police is to make it so most of us don't have to. Mm. to keep it safe enough let's just say New Zealand for example mm. keep it safe enough so you don't ever have to look into that horror and I guess the the challenge is making good decisions in life require a bit of understanding or at least someone like you to come and share so that it doesn't have to come to the uh, scraping the barrel before you hand mm. over a little bit of so yeah and you know not really looking for answers but that's what I'm where I'm at you know and I think a lot of people are too. They would like to believe in something mm. bigger than themselves. But um, like you said, fortunately sometimes those things are, just have to reveal themselves by themselves. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, you got to search for that key that unlocks the truth. Mm. And it's, it's, a, it's a hard... Like people ask, is God real? Mm. And if you had asked me 20 years ago, I'd say, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the key there, um, f from a Christian perspective, is, mm. is through through Jesus mm. and what he did for us. And if you understand the love that he expressed for, for us, even though we didn't deserve it, it's like that guy who shot Matt Hunt. Mm. We look at him with such disdain, eh? He said, you're a murderer, a liar, a thief, and you're hard to love. And then someone coming along and saying, hey, Mr. Murderer, I'll go to jail for you and take your punishment. That murderer is going to look at him and go, why would you do that for me? Mm. And it's that sort of example that allows you to see the truth of what really love is and mm. and it and go test the world on other things mm. but my encouragement is you won't find another greater example of love yeah. in the world yeah 
And when you put it like that, yeah, that's no joke with love, right? Mm. That's saying we're taking it serious now, even for the things that we don't want to. And, you know, that's what I mean. In this society we've built, you can choose not to look at that. In fact, it's encouraged in some way, you know? Don't don't worry about that stuff. That's just the three-minute news piece on that guy who did that stuff. But we don't know what to do with that because you don't... Yeah, we don't know what to do with it. So we don't do anything with it, and then we park it away, and it comes back to find us another day, which is um, not fun for anyone. Hmm. Okay, um, David, I know we've, you know, you've given us a bit of your time. I really appreciate it. Is there a... Um, places people can follow you if they want to like you know check out your art or commission pieces or just chat more yeah I've got a a, face, um, a Facebook page and mm. it has good following mm. so David along with Tia Art uh, on Facebook and Instagram and um, yeah I often post my art there in poetry and photography and and so forth so yeah uh, I'm more than help, uh, happy to help anyone on their journey mm. uh, before I go I brought you a little gift my friend oh true you know, just a piece a little piece um, <clears throat> piece of art <laughs> that I did titled, titled The Thin Blue Line oh awesome and uh, maybe when you're having a coffee you'll think about the good work that you're doing as well and yeah, the challenges that life has so it's you know it's a police officers doing the haka wow and as, you, as we know the haka symbolizes challenges in life mm. facing challenges and and uh, being brave about it you know so hope at some level it encourages you and oh. thanks for the time my friend bro thank you so <laughs> much that's that's awesome i've been going trying to find little things around the place to put this in the studio and i just it's so cool that you picked up on you must have picked up that i'm looking for things to represent in the studio so it's beautiful my last question or i don't know if it's appropriate or not but do you have any things that you wrote like a poem or something that you know by memory that you could share or is that something that you do in other ways like i guess be just amazing we've talked a lot about you know your journey into the arts Mm. and but is anything that you have that we could potentially add into the podcast i'll just um have a look at um a poem i wrote that's so um, cool. Recently, let me just see if I can. Um, you keep talking, and I'll see no, if no, I can that's find right. it. No, that's right. Everyone's cool to. Um, <laughs> there's no no pressure on. Yeah. People are driving to work, or okay, you know, doing their dishes because that's where people love podcasts because it gives you some time to you know listen and be part of the chat whilst they're buggering around at home yep isn't it funny I went and brought two cups and now I've got a third cup so cool okay um, so this is just one I wrote recently and mm. it it's not too heavy or anything but it just talks about my love um, for fishing awesome. in the water and ocean so it's uh, the, the poem's called Ocean Calls The fragrance of the ocean draws me near, waves lapping to the constant beat of life. Tides rise and fall like an old man's belly in a drunken slumber. 
heart filled with the joy of long-lost friend. The rod tip nods in joyful anticipation, colour flirting beneath ocean waves. Homeward bound, recharged for another day. Haerera, my dear friend, until we meet again. Mm, beautiful wedding. Thank you, David. Appreciate Thanks. your time, Thanks. brother. I really appreciate your time. Awesome. Holding my head again Making my way through crowded thoughts Sometimes it's hard to get out of it Broke my heart in the dark I was just trying to feel something Falling asleep to the sound of it Always used to let you clean up the messes Down on my knees, thought I couldn't stand up on my own Turns out sometimes you're stronger alone Bringing out the fight, yeah, bring on all the lightning Cause I'm looking for a hero, look inside the mirror I find one, oh too hard, pick it up, dust it off When I fall down 11, I get up 12 Don't need nobody else Yeah, I can save myself Got burned, but I learned Our scars make us who we are Now I'm ten feet tall over my demons Remind me no one's got me like myself Yeah, I love me without any help I'm the best thing to believe in So I'm bringing out the fight Yeah, bring on all the lightning Cause I'm looking for a hero Look inside the mirror I find one Oh, carry the hurt when it gets too hard Pick it up, dust it off When I fall down a But I got a million reasons why I won't Cause this heavy is a season And the sun is always right behind the storm